Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, good morning. We're glad that you are here, and we are right at the end of our Blank Space series. And I know for myself and for our family, and I know for many of you guys, that this has been a really challenging series where we've been looking at our lives and seeing that without blank space in our relationships, in our budget, and our schedules, that we're definitely going to end up in a place where we're struggling and and we're not firing on all cylinders and we're not what we're hoping for. We're not discovering the purpose that God has in our lives because the blank space and the margin that we have is non-existent. And so I hope that this has been something that's been encouraging and challenging to you and not something that has been something like, oh man, I got a lot to get together because we all have a lot to get together. The hope is that we're able to walk away from this and see that We need the Lord to be in the center of our lives, that without him, it's impossible for us to find this blank space that we've been talking about for the last four weeks now. But one of the things that we've learned about ourselves is that if we're left to our own devices, we will cram everything we possibly can into our lives until eventually something breaks, right? It's kind of like Jenga. Have you ever played Jenga? That the Jenga blocks are stacking, and as you get towards the end, you you press the wrong button, or you you put too much weight on the wrong side, and eventually it just topples, right? And if we're not careful, that's what our life feels like, right? You just you're just barely hanging on, just teetering because of all of the things that are happening in our lives, and eventually something breaks, and maybe it's it's mentally we break. Mentally we we're just never present. We're never just in the room. Our minds are always other places. We can't focus. We're less productive than we hoped we could be. It's just not working. Or maybe physically we break, right? We we start getting sick and our body starts doing weird things. And we're like, what is this? What is happening? It must be because I'm 30. And it's like, no, it's because it's stress and because of the, the things that are happening in our lives and it's pushing us and driving us. Or maybe spiritually we break. Maybe spiritually, maybe this hour that we spend together on Sunday morning is the only time that you spend with God. Maybe that's the only time that you pray, the only time that you allow the Lord to speak into your life. And you you get to Sunday and you're like, I'm recharged. But then you walk into Monday and you're like, man, where did it go? Spiritually, we break. And then maybe eventually for some of us, morally, we break. We just, we, maybe it's not anything major, but maybe we just start cutting corners or maybe we just start making decisions that we wouldn't otherwise make just because we're exhausted and we're tired. And you know what? As long as the job gets done, I don't care how it gets done. And maybe we cut corners at work or cut corners at home. But if we're not careful, that eventually leads to major breakage, major damage. And we're going to look at that in a little bit, but We've all been in that place where we're trying to do our very best. We're, we're trying to be successful. We're trying to make as much money as we need to make, provide. But we hit this breaking point where we all say the same thing. There's just not enough time. There's just not enough time. 
And this this actually happened to to Lauren and I when we first moved here to San Diego. We had we moved from a a, a really healthy place and um, we moved here excited and and passionate about a brand new city and just feeling without a shadow of a doubt like God had called us here and and we were thrilled. And the the last church that we were we were working with man, we, we just came in and we were just dug in. We were working hard. We were driving things. You know, we're, we're creating new opportunities and we're connecting with new people and things were going well. And, you know, some things were working really well and other things it was like, all right, we got to put in even more work. We got to work harder and work faster and work smarter. And, and there was just like tension building because we were just running, 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 running. And then we would we would recognize it in ourselves and we would talk to our leaders and go, hey, we can't run at this pace. And it's like, no, 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 we're just going to make it to this, this point. And we're like, okay. So we're just running, 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 and running. But something happened is it became a habit that we were consumed with our job. And our girls started to feel it. And Brooklyn, her move from Georgia to here was really, really difficult for her. And she didn't adjust as quickly as everybody else did. And so she was really feeling it. And she was needing us more. And we weren't there because we were consumed and driving and working and pushing. And it was almost as if we never said this out loud because we wouldn't dare say it out loud. But it was almost as if we were saying, Lord, you take care of home while we build the church that you called us to. Lord, you, you take care of home. Like, you got it. We're, we're all about the business that you called us to. And, and one thing that you might not know about ministry, because you, maybe you, you've never been in a family where, you know, you're, you're connected to someone in ministry or you've never been in ministry yourself, it's an incredibly dangerous place to work. Because just like your job, you have that, that drive and that desire to, like, accomplish things and make sure you think you're doing your job well and, you know, sometimes other things suffer and you're really focused on it. We've seen hundreds, hundreds of pastors who sacrifice their family in efforts to grow a ministry. And we saw this and, and, and for years we've recognized this. And for Lauren and I, we made a commitment. We're like, that's never going to be us. That is not going to be us. But the difference between my job and yours is that I can convince you and myself that whatever I'm doing is right because my mission is the church, right? Like, it doesn't matter how busy I get. I can go, whoa, whoa, wait, it's, I'm trying to help people find Jesus. Like, what better mission in the world could there be than that? Like, I'm trying to help build the church. Like, Jesus, you understand. Like, everybody else will understand. And we get into this trap where we're willing to sacrifice things major. We get caught up as ministers, as pastors, saying, God, we're going to build your church. And he sees it completely different because what we understand is God is the one who builds the church. You guys are here. You may think you're here because of relationships or you may feel like you're here for all these different reasons. You're here because God put the right person in your life to help you connect with him better. God builds the church. We're all just a part of it. And what I have to be careful of as a leader is remembering that every day when I wake up, God, it's your church, not mine. If I wasn't here, somebody else would do it. But God, I'm honored that I get to be a part of this. But I cannot sacrifice everything else in pursuit of that. We're, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But what about you? What about your life? 
Do you feel that strain of time? Do you feel that strain in your schedule, that strain in your relationship, that strain in your finance? Do you feel that in your life? You feel this pressure at work and you feel pressure at home and everywhere you go, you don't feel like you're ever living up to what you hope you could and it's just there. And at the end of the day, you feel empty because it doesn't end up the way you planned. You just feel this pressure happening if you stayed at work until everything was done, you would never go home, right? Like if you stayed at work and did everything that you had to do to make sure everything was in place, you wouldn't even see your family. Or at home, if everyone got their little love buckets full and everyone had your full attention and everyone felt good about where they're at, you, you wouldn't actually go to work at any point. It was, it was interesting uh, just yesterday uh, my, my dad and I were out here um, doing some work on cleaning up and finishing up on the, the back patio. And I saw one of my, my tenants that works upstairs. And I see him all the time. Like, seriously, he's here way more than I am. And I, I, I said, hey, man, what are you doing? He's like, oh, 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 I'm here. I'm like, do you ever take a day off? Do you, you're literally here more than we are. I do you have a day off? And he's like, oh, yeah, I took a day off uh, yesterday. I said, oh, cool. Did you get to sleep? He's like, yeah, I slept upstairs. Like, what? He's like, you know, I, I just live to work. I, I work to live. I'm like, bro, I don't know if you live at all. Like, this is your life right here. I feel like I should just give you the keys. And don't we all know people like that, that they just are driving and driving and driving and eventually relationships and time gets out of whack. We either get to a point where we break or we just throw our hands up in the air hopelessly. But the truth that we see is that, is this on the screen, when we place work ahead of our family, we ask them to hold a weight we know we were meant to hold. And I'm asking my mom to come up here for a second because I, I wanted to illustrate this for you. It's not all that heavy. It's just, it's just a little weight. Can you hold this for me? Right, right over here. Perfect. When we place work ahead of our family, we're asking our family to hold this weight for us. We're asking them to carry this for us because, you know, we all have those seasons. We all have those moments in life where, you know, work makes us have to travel or we have to go and take care of this and we have to do this. We have to work extra hours or, you know, that season where your husband or your wife, they, they have to take the lead in the home because you have to really focus on a, a project or, or go and do something. But the issue is that you and I rarely come back and take the weight. We rarely come back, oh, no, you can't have it. We, we rarely come back and, and hold this weight. We hand it to them, and then you and I, if, if we're not careful, we'll come and we'll go, well, how's it going? How's, it, how's the weight? How's the weight going? You're doing so awesome. I couldn't imagine life without you. I'm so proud of you. You, you just do great with that. And we ask our family to hold this weight and we point to the future and we say, in the future, it's going to be better. We're just going through this until we get there and it's going to be all right. We're going to go. You're doing so great. You just, you just keep holding on to that. And I know I'm supposed to hold it, but you, you hold it. You take care of it. And eventually it gets to the point where the weight drops. Thank you. It gets to the point where the weight drops. <laughs> and it's never pretty. It's never enjoyable. Guys in the room, you know exactly what this looks like because 
Let's just be real. Us guys in the room, we don't see the background of what's happening. We're just kind of like in the moment. And one day we come downstairs from upstairs and we go, honey, I can't find any matching socks anywhere. And then, boom, the explosion happens of words and tears and frustration. And we're like, I was just talking about socks. What just happened? We didn't see the buildup. We didn't see the buildup happening in the background. And maybe it's, it's the opposite in your relationship. Maybe it's not the wife. Maybe the wife is the one who asked their husband to hold that weight, whatever it is. But you know that moment where you're just, you're like, I'm talking about socks. I don't understand. It's like, you don't appreciate me. You don't see what all I have to do. And it just explodes. And it comes from the place of the weight dropping. It gets to a point where that strain is too heavy that in our relationships, we just can't hold the weight for somebody else any longer. And when that weight drops, it's ugly. It's hard. And maybe it's not in your marriage. Maybe it's, it's with other friends in your life. Or maybe it's with your kids and, and grades start to plummet. Your relationship starts to get bad and intimacy in your marriage starts to disappear. And you're like, well, I don't understand what's going on. You, you, things get to a place where you almost feel like they're better if you're not around. And if we're not careful with our relationships and the strain that we put and the weight that we ask them to hold, trust will be broken. Irreparable damage will happen. And that deep pain will lead to even deeper struggles. We forgot the weight in their hands. So why do, why do we do this? Because you and I fundamentally know we shouldn't do that, right? Like, we shouldn't ask someone to carry this weight, and I'm going to preach this whole sermon, and you just hold that weight the whole time I'm preaching, and just hang on to it. Like, we fundamentally know we shouldn't do it, so why do we do it? And the reason is because we love progress. We love progress. We love to see ourselves accomplishing something, checking a box, crossing a line off. And you know what? We can measure progress at work for the most part right? We can accomplish all the things that's on that checklist. We can turn in that project on time. We can turn it in early and be like, hey, look what I did. We can crunch the numbers and make sure that the people who follow us are in order. We can lead people. We can do all of these things and we can see progress right in front of us. And plus, if we're honest, at home, there's no trophies. At home, there's no pins. There's no stars. There's no extra encouragement. There's no bonuses that come. There's nothing at home that makes progress feel like it's happening. Where at work, you walk in, you, you were part of this huge project, and you walk in and everybody's like, "Woo! big chief, look who's here. Yeah, you feel, you know what? I'm making progress. I'm doing something. And it's easy for us to at home let those things, but... What we have to understand is that God wired us this way, and he loves for us to be successful. He has every intention for us to accomplish the mission he has put in front of us. He's gifted us for us. He's prepared us for it. He's placed moments in our life for it. But the truth is that we cannot miss is that when we're out of balance, we begin to cheat on what matters most. When we're out of whack, when we're teetering like that Jenga, we cheat on what matters most. 
We give up what's irreplaceable and we sacrifice the most impactful areas of our life for what's easiest to see results. It's easier to see progress right in front of us. There's actually a story in the, the very beginning of the Bible that it's about these twin brothers who deal with this exact same situation. And these boys are actually the grandsons of the famous Abraham. Oh, Father Abraham had many sons. This is his grandkids. And his son Isaac and his daughter-in-law Rebecca were pregnant with these twin boys. And let's check out what happens in their story, starting in verse 24. It says, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, interesting, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Would you like your child to be described that way? Just a ball of fuzz. There you go. Get that mental picture. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter because he looked like a wolf and a man of the open country. Well, that wasn't in the Bible, by the way. That just was my little ad lib there. While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents, he was a homebody. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob because he was a mama's boy, and he stayed home. Like, it made sense. You got this connection. But a little context in this culture is that the firstborn son got a double portion of the inheritance. In this culture, being a firstborn son was a huge, huge deal. They became the, like, patriarchs of the family. They were the leader when the dad died. They were the ones who carried the mantle of the family name moving forward. So being a firstborn son came with a lot of responsibility, but a whole lot of blessing. And it was something that was one of the most important distinctions in this culture. So back in the story, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And this is, this is a wicked little trick these brothers play on each other. But let, let, just check this out. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. What? Like, where did that come from? Like, my birthright? You want to be known as the firstborn son? Like, you, you want me to give you that? Esau says, look, I am about to die. What good is the birthright to me? When Jacob said that, he said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau, from that moment on, despised his birthright. Esau trades the most important life-defining, future-determining aspect of his life for a bowl of stew. Doesn't make any sense, but how many of you have ever been hangry, right? Like, it's time to eat. You, it's, you are going to, like, hurt somebody. In our house, we're trying to do this intermittent fasting thing, and from about 8 a.m. to noon, you better watch out. Somebody going to die. I'm just saying, don't come at us hard at, between 8 and 12. At noon, celebration time. It's party. We get to eat, but we get to this point, and, and Esau was next level hungry to the point that he surrendered his identity over food, over a bowl of stew. And we look at him, 
you and I, we look at him and we're like, you are an idiot. What were you thinking? Just crawl a little bit further, eat some grass, chew on a piece of bark. Like, how would you give up this incredible birthright for a bowl of stew? He surrendered his future for a temporary moment of satisfaction. But before we get ahead of ourselves and and start judging Esau too much, but don't you and I do a lot of the similar things? Don't you and I surrender huge, powerful, impactful areas of our life for temporary pleasure right now? Don't you and I on a consistent basis say, hey, relationships that matter all that much, why don't you be on pause while I do this thing that in the end of my life, it's really not going to matter all that much. Don't you and I do the same thing. We take for granted the blessings that we have in our relationships. Look at this. It, we, we talked about this the first week, but it's so good. We, we cannot leave this series without looking at it again. Is that your happiness in life is measured by the health of your relationships, not your prosperity or your progress. We trade our relationships that God has blessed us with for a bowl of stew that we call work, progress, accomplishments, accolades, affirmation. As we saw in week one, fear is the greatest enemy to our blank space. We're afraid that if if we choose our relationships, if we make those sacrifices, that we're going to be viewed as lazy, or we're going to be viewed as not bought in, or we're going to be viewed as someone who just they're not a hard worker. They, their dad was a hard worker, but they're not a hard worker. And we, we just allow these fears to hold us back from making the decisions. We leave it all out on the field at work to come home with nothing to give to our family. And we have nothing left. And we wonder why our relationships are where they're at. But God, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind. God has given us this ability to squash our fears and say, God, I'm going to trust you and believe that those things that I'm worried about people that they're going to say, I am going to trust you, that you're working behind the scenes to ensure that our future is secure and full of purpose. In every season of my life where I felt like fear was starting to creep in, like, God, I don't, I don't see an end. I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't understand what's going to happen. In every single moment, God was working behind the scenes. And something would finally break. Something would finally snap at the very last second, always. And it was like, God, all along you knew what you were doing. While I was riddled with fear, God was like, bro, chill. I'm in the background working this out for you if you just trust me. It's time for you and I that we look at our lives and we say, Lord, take care of the things at work while I take care of the family you've blessed me with. Not that we quit our jobs, not that we do, but are we driven by progress and by our jobs and by our work and by all of these other things that we want to be viewed as instead of caring for the important things in our life. One of, my, one of my favorite pastors that I've been following now, actually for about 20 years, 
um, he's, he has a church in, in Atlanta, and he talks about this subject, and he said it this way in, in one of his writings. He said, I looked at my schedule and what my family needed, and I began praying. He looked at his schedule. He had conversations with his wife and, and recognized what he needed to do, and it was not good because they were just starting their church, and, and God was already doing some crazy things. And he says, God, I only have 45 hours a week to give to work. Like, I only have 45 hours a week to give to this church that you called me to plant. I know it's not enough. I can't accomplish it in the 80 that I've been working. But God, according to my family, according to the needs of the people who you say are most important in my life, I can only give you 45 hours. Will you build the strongest church you can with the limited time I can give to it. God, will you do something incredible with the limited time that I have to offer to work? Can you take care of work while I focus on the family you gave me? And God took him up on that offer. 20 years later now, their church sees over 35,000 people a Sunday every Sunday. They've planted hundreds of churches. He's one of the most influential leaders in all of the world and in America, for sure. I've attended their churches for multiple years, going for different events and different things, and every time I walk away going, God, you have put a special anointing on this man. And yet he did it by saying, God, all I have, all I have to give you is this little bit of time that I know is not enough to accomplish all I need to accomplish at work. But God, if you take that, I will take care of the family that you gave me, that you asked me to take care of. I will do the things because I only have, he, he says it this way and I love it. He says, I have to take care of the unique roles that I have in life. And for him, those unique roles were husband, father outside of that anything else someone else can and will do it and you and I have to ask ourselves are we defined by our jobs or are we defined by the unique roles that God has placed in our lives my unique role is as a husband to Lauren the father of my two girls that's my unique role and no one gets to take that unless I give it up. And the choice that we have to make is which, which area of our lives are we going to cheat? Are we going to cheat work? Or are we going to cheat our family? And our time and our schedule and our finances, who are the whole title of this message is who am I going to cheat? Because there isn't enough time. Just practically speaking, there is not enough time. So who's going to get cheated? Who, who gets to hold the weight? Is it work or is it family? Is it progress or is it family? Is it accolades? Is it a name for myself? Is it finances? Is it whatever blank is? Or is it the unique roles that I have in my life? Our challenge today is don't trade what is unique to you for something somebody else would do. 
Don't trade what's unique to you for something that anybody else could do it. And if you're anything like me, I get caught up in like, well, if I don't do it, like, God, you uniquely gifted me for this, so obviously you want me to do it. And he's like, no, 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 that's cool, I did. I did call you, I did gift you, I did give you all of these things, but not for you to sacrifice the unique roles that you have in life. I never asked you to give those up in order to pursue this little thing here. I don't wanna look back at my life and regret not trusting God. I don't wanna ask questions like, what would God have done if I really trusted him? What would God have done if I really trusted him like this pastor did? What would happen if I cheated my career instead of my family? What would happen if I believe that even in the most stressful moments of my life, God is working in the background to create the answer that I didn't even see coming? What would happen if I didn't let fear run my life or the opinions of others lead my decisions? And the final question that I don't want to look back on my life and ask is what would happen if I created the blank space needed in order to find the purpose God has for my life? I don't want to look back at my life and go, man, if I just made that choice five years ago, two years ago, a year ago, if I would have just done that, man, what would God have done if I trusted him to fill the blank space of my life? with his purpose and his calling and his blessings. We have to remember that these principles we've been learning over the last four weeks, they're things that God put in order. So if he put them in order, if he spoke them into existence, if they were important to him, they're still important to him today. And if he promised it, if he said it, if he assured it, God's going to honor his end of the bargain. If we trust him enough, he will honor his end of the deal. I'd like for us to do something a little different today as we close. If, if you would all stand with me, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to, to look at your life for just a moment, just a, a quiet moment and think about the things we've been talking about over the last couple weeks this principle of margin this idea that in my relationships in my budget in my time in my schedule that there's an area of my life that I need to create blank space and what I want you to do is just as a, a physical representation, I want you to just hold out your hand with it closed of whatever that thing is that's holding you back. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's, it's the hours you're putting in at work. Maybe it's the mindset that you're carrying. Maybe it's financially trying to keep up with a certain appearance. Maybe whatever, whatever it is, I want you to hold it in your hand. And in just a second, I want to pray over those things together. And we're going to release them to the Lord Jesus. We all stand in this room with our deal in our hand. And we understand, God, that you are asking us to release it to you. You're asking us, God, if we're willing to make the hard decision 
to surrender it to you, to take our grip off of our lives to the point that you have no place in it. God, we surrender our schedules to you. We surrender our relationships to you. We surrender everything that we have to you because we know that when we put you first, God, everything else will be in order. So God, right now in this moment, we open our hands and we give it to you. And we stand here, Lord, with our hands open to you, asking you to fill it with your presence, to fill it with your anointing, to fill it with the blank space that we need, with the clarity of mind, with the courage, with the boldness, with the authority, with the with the the mindset, God, where whatever it is that's holding us back from the purpose you have called us to, God, fill us with that in this moment. Now, we invite you in. We invite you in. God, have your way in our lives. And we trust that as we do that, God, we will see a return on our investment in you, God, that we'll see you doing incredible things in our lives and in our hearts because you are faithful and you will show up how you promised you would. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give him some praise this morning. Thank him for all that he's going to do in our lives. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.